0: Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Sangbrita Moitra here with me from Amsterdam. So, welcome to my podcast, Sangbrita. Hi, Vesna. Lovely being here. As a short intro of, uh, of Sangrita, Sangvita Moitra is a voice of the millennial future. She's a global strategist and startup mentor with the world's largest organizations and innovative startups in Europe. Sangvita is on a mission to make our future human-centric by transforming mindset and behaviors that trigger exponential change. Through innovative solutions, through personal development, branding employee experience, customer relationships, and also human behavior. And she's also a TEDx award-winning speaker for her talk, Transform Your Presence, and has been among top 400 women of the Netherlands. Uh, so, Zingbrita, I've seen you on stage, and uh, you're just uh, amazing. And uh, I've also watched your TEDx talk, of course, and I've read up on you uh, a lot. And there is this fantastic Passion and energy and kind of relentlessness that one connects with you. Where does this passion come from, and what is actually your your passion?
1: Oh, that is such a deep question. Well, thank you for all those lovely words you used. I think my passion—it's just this curiosity. It's an insatiable curiosity for to understand people and who are we and how different are we but more importantly how similar we are you know and we've had prior conversations about this that i'm fascinated by the human mind and my mission is to make our future truly human-centric so we're you know we're using so much technology now and it's going to change our future in ways we cannot even imagine how are we going to keep the human alive amidst all of this how are we going to build human connections Careers are going to change, jobs are going to change. In the next 10 years, over 800 million jobs will be replaced by robots. So the jobs will be gone, people won't be gone. What will happen to those 800 million people? What will they do? How will they stand out? Will they be able to stand out? If you take away their job title from them, who are they and how can they create their niche, their relevance in our future? So these are the subjects that really fascinate me and interest me. And I'm in love with what drives people, what makes people tick. It's this beautiful zone and the space in human behavior where there is no judgment, there is no uh, reaction, there is only understanding. I come from India, I live in the Netherlands. And it's, we, we come from such different worlds, and yet every time I meet audiences or teams in my trainings and workshops or in my talks for um, events... I always realized that what binds us together is so much stronger than what separates us across the world. And I want to discover more of what is it that makes us similar, that combines us with our beliefs, with our vision, with our desires. It's so much more and so much stronger than what separates us with our race or color or gender or anything. And this, I think this is a very beautiful, pure space to be in, which is driven with a very pure and also very naive intention so I, i'm very lucky to be in this space and i think that's where my passion comes from
0: wonderful you're really doing important work and and i know that you have um, clients like booking.com Ernst and young orange and many others what is it exactly that you've done with them together with them
1: the most important thing that I do for these companies, they're twofold. So the first one is about organizational change and transforming behaviors. This is more on a organizational perspective. And what is really a company? To me, a company is just a tribe of people, but it reflects the individual thought patterns. It, it reflects the individual output as well. And... One of the biggest things that's happening in the Netherlands and also across the world is organizations are going through tremendous change. They're changing the way they work. They're changing the way they create results, the way their leadership is structured, the way hierarchy is. Companies are going through joint ventures, mergers, and so much more because now the complete landscape of what is an organization is changing. Technology has created and disrupted so many processes and so much of work that uh, we're having to create this massive mind shift and also of course the results we put out there so when i'm invited to these kind of companies often for change let's say a company is going through a completely new way of working you know they're changing the way they they work they're going to go agile or they're going through a joint venture but what is a joint venture it's not just leadership deciding to sign papers and to officially sign a contract and work together it's 25000 people having to change the way they work How are you as an organization going to make sure that every individual, every person in your company embraces change from within? Most of the times that companies look at change, they look at it on a very helicopter superficial level, but you can't just create a PDF and send it out as a protocol and expect a person to change the way they work. To truly make and help an organizational be on board with successful change, we need to help them and help their tribe truly understand how to get on with change, evolution has shown us that the human brain is not equipped to change. You know, we like our patterns and habits and behaviors. We we are slaves to our patterns. What is change? Change is jumping in between in the middle of a pattern that is very comfortable for you. And with respect to work, every person, you know, these are Maybe 45-year-old people, they've been working for the past 20 years. They have a certain rhythm, a certain pattern of work. And suddenly, we're jumping in between that pattern, disrupting it completely. Their safety zone, their comfort zone is completely shattered. And we're telling them, well, this is a new way of working, and this is what you have to deal with. That kind of shock is very difficult for employees to fathom and to accept, embrace, and get on board with, which is the reason why so many companies that go through change are not successful which is why they lose a big chunk of their tribe, of their employee base, often even the most promising employees. My job is to go into that company and help their tribe, their family, their company members, embrace change, understand what is the reason why change is so difficult. You know, it's a very limbic response. It's a very understandable response. But how can we create strategies in which that can help them overcome it successfully and long lasting, make it long lasting? So that's the work I do with respect to organizational change. The other one is more on a personal basis, where it doesn't matter whether you work for a big company, but it could also be a small startup. It could also be a small startup, but of course, that is really cutting edge, innovative, and you know they're going for the big dream. It could be entrepreneurs. And for me, change innovative mindset, transformation. This is the core of success. I mean, to me, success is being able to adapt to anything that comes your way and still move on and still be relevant. That to me is success to be relevant in the future. So these are the two facets I work with. And the underlying aspect is this love, absolute love and fascination with human behavior, whether as individuals or whether as a tribe
0: yeah it's amazing you're you're really encompassing so much into what you both speak about and work with and so on so I guess that in in today's world where we are so used to you know people are always tagging people on different you know subjects or expert in this and guru in that and whatever, probably they have a they would have a challenge with you, right? Because you would have so many. So,
1: <laughs> it's, I would always say there's only three topics, actually. It's change, transformation, human behavior. And I think that's the basis <laughs> that applies to a lot. But it's these. I always find them simple topics. They're not easy, but they are simple. And what do you
0: say um, when you look back at your life so far? What have been these transformational points so far that have influenced you the most?
1: Number one would be the people I met. I think Tim Ferriss, I think he was the one who once said that uh, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So it's really important to look around you and see who are those five people who are around you, who are influencing you, who are shaping you subconsciously in ways you don't even know. So I have been very lucky to have amazing mentors, friends, collaborators who have constantly pushed me out of my comfort zone who have often back in the day and I I say this uh, with pride in my vulnerability that they saw a promise in me when even I didn't see it in myself and i think those kind of people are are life changers because they believe in you when there could be a time that you don't believe in yourself and they push you and they motivate you so i think number one the people i've had whether it's my mentors in my speaking career collaborators business collaborators I had just wonderful people. The second was, and I speak of it very briefly in my TEDx talk, was I call it the Euro failure, which was 2016. Even though I had a very successful full-time job at the time, I was a global manager. So technically, I was doing well in my career, but I was also starting off my speaking and strategist independent business. And at that time, I had won a couple of awards here and there in the Netherlands and Europe. But when it came to establishing a business, what I did was I was looking at what other successful people were doing in my line of work. And I thought, well, they became successful. So let me just copy their business model or let me just do what they're doing. And I thought it would work because, hey, it worked for them. Why wouldn't it work for me? And to be honest with you, I was so focused on being someone else that I forgot to be myself. So I was chasing opportunities that others were doing, but I wasn't trying to see opportunities that would truly fit me. And I remember this one day I, I opened my email and I had almost like five back-to-back like, rejections, like no, saying so sorry, but it won't work out, da-da-da. And I had this meltdown. I was like, what is going on? Why isn't it working? Because I truly believed that I had talent and I had a message, but why couldn't I get to the right clients? Why wasn't I being invited to the right platforms? Why was I opening my email to see back-to-back rejections? So I literally had to do a self-intervention at the time and just stop everything, stop thinking of anyone else who's doing well and just really ask myself, what is the change that I'm bringing to the people I want to speak to? How will their life be any different when they get back to work the next day, in their life the next day? How do I want people to feel when they work with me? What is that feeling that's synonymous with me that's different from every single person on the, on the planet who does the same thing that I do? Why do I, why should I even deserve to stand out? And if you take away my job title from me, who am I then? And what do I offer people? So I had a whole extremely intense list of questions that I sat down. I basically locked myself up in my house and I went through this. I would say I trained <laughs> self training. But at the end, I realized that. That's when I realized that I'd been so focused on being a second rate version of someone else. I was forgetting to be the first rate version of myself. And when I found the answers to all these questions that I, I yeah sat and wrote and brainstormed, I redid everything. Like I redid my entire speaking business, like my strategist related, consulting related topics, the content, the subjects, the workshops, the trainings, the speeches, the keynotes, everything changed. And everything changed. And after that, I was invited to give a TEDx talk. That went huge. And then things just started happening. Like, it literally, if I look back at the last one and a half years, yeah, one and a half years from September 2000, I would say mid 2017, it has been unbelievable. Like, I don't know how one thing led to the other, led to the other. The TED talk became huge. You know, it didn't get a million views or anything, it only got about 15,000 views. But every single view that it got, did something for me. One day I was contacted from Norway, asking me to speak alongside the Prime Minister of Norway. One day I was invited by Orange. One day I was invited by Booking. It just, Huffington Post, like one after the other thing started happening and it's still happening. It just got me to the platforms I always wanted to be at. So it's, it's just been like this nuclear chain reaction. But it took a long time to get there.
0: (laughs) But fantastic. And then also it just proves the point that it's so important to, as you say, to be, if you work for human centricity, that we all should work on our own centricity in the sense that not to forget who we are and be connected to ourselves and do what is true to us and genuine to us. And um, as you said, you really needed to make sure to, Cherish for who, who you are and that unique voice you have. Because people, I mean, today in general, uh, I think very few, if you take away all, as you say, all the titles, all the doings that they do, everything that they do, and all the tags for that, what is left then? You know, who are they being rather than who are they doing? Uh, and it's really important for all of us to break and, and think about that and define that and then use that as a, as a force
1: absolutely and you you know even with other speakers often i ask because a lot of them you know we meet up for coffee or they want to talk to me i want to talk to them when you're on stage you're sharing a message so you get to influence a lot of people in a short amount of time and i ask them what is your core message what your core takeaway and what change will it bring and if people can't answer that immediately and if their answer is longer than two sentences or they like they're going into like a ramble then they are not aware of their own message they don't even know To be honest, it's true, but they're not aware yet of what is the change they're trying to bring. And unless you know what you stand for, how on earth will anyone else know what you stand for? The only time someone else can know your worth is when you know your own worth. Yeah,
0: so true. And in terms of long-term formulas, I mean, if you look at all the companies, many of them you've met and so on, is there any reflection on what kind of long-term formula that you would believe in, uh, that you would like to see? in all the companies out there.
1: Formulas are very dangerous. Even though predictably and logically they make us feel safe. And the thing is, we have no idea what future is going to be like. We have no idea. I mean, fifty years ago we were watching movies of James Bond where they had these funny gadgets made by Q, you know, the, the tech guy in the MI6. And we used to laugh at them. Like I remember my grandparents used to say all that stuff, oh it's so gimmicky and, and silly but fun gadgets, but now they're an actual reality. You Everything that they, they think was a dream and unbelievable wonder is now a reality. We have no idea what and how technology will shape our future. We can only hope to predict. Now, the whole purpose of AI is just as predictive. People are trying to predict the future, but development is not always logical. And What becomes relevant to our future is also not going to be as predictable as we think. I think the only formula or the only sort of say safety measure that we can apply, whether as individuals or organizations, is: don't stick yourself to a job title and don't stick yourself to a product. Stay true to the belief, to the vision, to the core problem that you're trying to solve as opposed to, "This is my product, this is my job title, and this is what I will." Keep shoving into the world, even if there is no need for it. I mean, if you look at uh, the classic example of this, actually, I don't even need to talk so much. Is Nokia? You know, in 1998, Nokia was on the cover of Forbes. And uh, for anyone listening, you can just Google Forbes Nokia. Can anyone catch the cell phone king? My question to to your listeners is: So, do you think we have caught up with that cell phone king? Twenty years since then, that was 1998. We all know about the rise and fall of Nokia, and. There are so many lessons that that journey teaches us, but to me, the most important thing it taught was always be in tune with the needs of the people and not the products you want to create, because products are replaceable. As long as you're serving needs, you will never be forgotten. There was at a time when customers' needs were changing. They wanted different kinds of offering in their phones and and the devices they use, but Nokia was very hell-bent on producing their phones because they felt this is You know, we know what we're doing. We do it right already. So many people love it, but couldn't keep up with the pace of innovation and the pace of change that was trying to satisfy their customers' needs. So this kind of example really does uh, show us the importance of, of never trying to be stuck to a title or a product, but keep focusing and keep serving the needs. As long as you're doing that, I believe you will always be relevant.
0: Yeah, and also, I mean, in general, to always innovate the meaning of of what you do and, and use uh, meaning as a driver, actually, as a value driver, uh, so that uh, whatever you do, product, service, whatever it is, that it's really almost like perceived as a gift to the world, right? You're either solving something or you are making their life better in some way. But what about if we dream a little bit and say that right now you have all doors open to you and you have all resources actually available to you. Is there anything in particular that you will rush to innovate or to change?
1: Actually, if I have all the means like this, as we're talking about a parallel universe, I would love to do, um, I will do it someday, but this is not the right time, but I want to go back to university. And number one, because there's so much happening with the brain. There's so much happening with, I believe the future is neuro, actually. So you asked me about formula and future, but I would like to tell you the promise of the future, in my opinion, is neuro, the brain, the mind. And everything that we do, technology is replacing us, but technology also, we have no idea how it functions and, and there are so many loops, loopholes to it. So we really need to, we really need to put focus on the brain and its patterns and what triggers it to create behaviors and actions? So my deep interest is to learn even more about it, keep learning, be a forever student, maybe do a course. What would I do to do a research with one of my favorite speakers of all time, behavioral analyst called Dan Ariely. If I he's a behavioral economist, so you know he talks a lot about psychology of money, the psychology of work. That's the dream to be able to do an internship or, or, or research with him, write an article with him. Because that kind of knowledge is so powerful and it's so relevant for companies today and in the future. So, I think step one is to educate myself more so that I can keep serving my audiences. The second would be to start, this is, we're talking big future, big plans. It would be to start, a, I wouldn't say school, but, and I can't say movement because I don't believe you can start a movement. A movement is when people pick it up and believe in it and they create a movement, but to start but I've already started with it. It's called Transform Exponential. It's a masterclass and training, mastermind, sparring, mentoring sessions in which we equip people to transform exponentially in their presence, their purpose, their performance. This is a big dream. It's the first time I'm sharing it anywhere. Fingers crossed. Let's see how far it goes. But that's the big dream, Transform Exponential, helping every individual transform exponentially in their purpose, presence, and performance.
0: Wow. And and leaders, you know, how would you define those? uh, I mean, for me personally, I think it's uh, people who are, you know, have a following for a good reason. And then also people who are, also have the, guts to experiment right to not be the leader who has all the answers right but rather the one who is taking us places where people have not been so to really really experiment and to be a creative visionary leader but leaders and people in general what kind of advice would you have to people who serve as leaders today
1: The landscape of companies and organizations is changing so much. Today, it's no longer about massive organizations, you know, the big hierarchical uh, structure anymore. It's all breaking down. It's breaking up, I would say. I wouldn't say breaking down. It's breaking up. It's changing. So I think now leaders aren't just the CEOs or chairmen of massive organizations. You're also thought leadership. And you can already see that in thought leadership. People who have beautiful visions, unique pioneers Many people across the world follow them because they believe in their purpose, they respect the things they've done. So in today's day and age, it's not just a job title to be a leader. You also have to earn to be a leader. You have to earn people's support and trust from across the world, from often different lines of work to be seen as a leader. And my advice to them would be the same as I said before, that always prioritize your the need that you're serving, the change that you're trying to bring, and what is your core takeaway to people? To your clients, your customers, your audience, because your job title and the product or service that you have offered will not be relevant, may not be relevant 20 years from now. It's not just about being stuck to a successful product today, but it's the solution. It's about the change that you're bringing. That's simplifying people's lives. That's bringing them more comfort and joy in their lives. It's uplifting their morale. It's uplifting their spirits and they're feeling more comfortable and confident in their lives. That's the connection and relationship that we have to keep nurturing. And as leaders, focus on that. Focus on that human connection with your customer, with your client, with your stakeholder, not anything else. So I think it's all about keeping your intentions extremely pure and extremely simple.
0: And Dungrita, if you go back like 10, 15 years or so in your life, um, what advice would you give yourself?
1: I would say to myself, Pursue what truly interests you. Don't give a damn about what people say about what makes people successful because their success is for them to experience. You got to chart your own success. Listen to what are your inner talents. So ever often in life, 99% of people, I would say, they're living a life of mediocrity. And it's not because they're mediocre. It's because the work they're choosing to do is something they're mediocre in because they've allowed themselves to believe this is the only way to be successful, to do this particular job. And what they do as a result of that is that they don't pursue the activities or the skills. Actually, it's not even about the activity you do. It's about the things that that enable your mind to perform at peak performance. So we don't ever, very few of us actually do things in which we are personally peak performers, like uh, from a range of activities or from a range of skill sets, which is the skill set that is my peak performer. You know, so going for that. So for example, I majored in science and biology and uh, chemistry as well, even though my peak performance is actually neuropsychology. And it took me many, many, many years to accept that Because for a long time, I was fighting against it. I said, no, but you got to be a doctor or a researcher because that's what everybody else around you is doing. That's the way you earn respect and kind of get a name in society. And I did become a manager and it was a lovely job. But it did make me realize that I have to invest in what makes me shine and not what people think is successful. So just go and just follow your dreams and make sure it's not just about blindly following your dreams. Do what you you shine best at. It's about the mindset, not just the activity. It's the mindset that makes you alive, that makes you feel alive and make sure that you can pay for yourself, that you have a self-sufficient, independent life. Don't be so selfish about your passion or your belief or your drive that others have to be responsible for you. Be a responsible adult, pay for yourself, be independent, make good savings and then do whatever the hell you want. That's my advice.
0: Go crazy. <laughs> go crazy. The worst thing would be to ask uh, uh, yourself later, you know, what I could have, would have, right? Have done. Okay, Sangbrija. But uh, if you go back to, to companies as such and think about all of them as, you could say, instruments for, for change, what do you think is the most important thing for all of them to focus on right now?
1: Of the companies that I have visited who wanted me to talk about change, transformation, these are companies that needed it. And one of the patterns I realized over there was number one, the employees were focused and it's not their fault as well. It's just something that you've been trained in. It becomes a pattern of the company is that they were only doing what was the norm. I would say innovative, disruptive, innovative mindset to problem solving is very important don't just do it because you're told to do it but try to find the best processes that make it better constantly question how you can how you can take it to the next level for example one of the companies i spoke at they have a big problem with trust in their community in their tribe and it turns out that there is no proper organized uh, structure to help deal with feedback for example if something goes wrong in the company like something happened there's a disagreement people don't know who to turn to when things go wrong when things go all right and you need to have a structure a very well-designed structure of feedback of handling sensitive feedback of how to deal with things when things go wrong whether it's from a junior whether it's from a senior that focuses on problem resolution and to create a community of trust, for example, uh, let's say that there's a company, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of politics and like, you know, people are not being honest. They, We need their feedback, but they're not saying it to us. They're not coming up to us and telling us, okay, just because this person is not telling you in this particular way that you have asked them to share it with you, doesn't mean that the person won't open up in another way. Have you tried, you know, and then there are so many uh, ways to brainstorm how you can collect anonymous, authentic feedback. You know, what if you had another uh, way to collect anonymous feedback online? What if you change the way you do your, you know, instead of making the person feel confronted, is there another way you can get them to share their honest feedback with you on what went wrong and why? If we stick to the process that exists and stop our thinking there, then things are not going to improve. If someone's not giving you the response you want, it could also be because the structure and system you've created doesn't support them. So if you want something, you have to make sure that you give people the structure, the strategies to to make it easy for them. This is a very important part of uh, my book as well, that make people an offer they can't refuse. If you want something from them, if you want an investor's money, Make them, give them a strategy so amazing that they can't help but give you money. You want someone to be on board with change, create a process, create an open company environment that is so truly motivating that people can't help but be a part of this new change and new promise of your company.
0: Sangbita, the last question I have is, is this, what do you think that the world needs most at this time?
1: I think the most important thing is to love human connections. Maybe that's the only thing I can say, that to truly prioritize this connection we have with each other that and a a genuine deep interest in what the other person does, especially people who are unlike you. It's very easy to like people who are like us, who believe in what we believe in, who do what we do. It's difficult to like people or to be in the same tribe of people who think differently, who don't agree with what we agree with. I would say that try to build human connections with them. And that doesn't mean that just trying to force yourself to accept what they believe in, but to understand what are the experiences that led them to believe in this? And why did they have those kind of experiences? What was their initial mindset? What were their initial beliefs? Try to really go to the root of why people think what they think, why people say what they say, and then have a real honest human discussion from the core grassroots level. That is so powerful. I truly believe, uh, and I hope I'm not going ahead of myself by saying this, but I truly believe that so many tensions and frictions across the world can be relaxed when we stop reacting to what we're just saying to each other. Because even if people don't agree with you, let's say you don't agree with someone, that person is still saying something they truly believe in. So try to understand where that belief came from and why. We're all born as blank canvases. What were the incidents and experiences, good and bad, that shaped them to think a certain way? And that became a pattern of thought, of belief, of behavior, and subsequently action and words. So always prioritize human connection, even with the ones who you don't agree with. Try to understand each other on a very human level. Uh, be very pure with your intention. And I, I can only hope that the kind of conversations and insights people have will be wonderful and enriching.
0: So, Inbita, how how was it to be on the
1: podcast? I am honored that <laughs> I've seen the kind of people you interview and the kind of person you are to be on your podcast. is It's only March, but it's already like a milestone. So now I'm just wondering <laughs> what the rest of the year will be like. <laughs> <laughs> Milestones.
0: Great. Thank you, Sanguidam. And uh, for people to find out more about you
1: and everything you do, it is um, the website or where should I head? website for sure. If you want to know about me, I'm pretty active on social media. I would love to connect with everyone on LinkedIn. So just, I'm really easy to find. It's it's a blessing and a curse. Like you can as easily find me as you can stalk me. So just go to, just Google Sangrita, which is S-A-N-G-B-R-E-E-T-A. And you'll find me on LinkedIn. Add me there. More than happy to connect with you and share our ideas. And that's, it's wonderful. LinkedIn is really a great platform. And otherwise, of course, if you're interested to know more about the work I do, have a call or something, uh, you can reach out to me by my website, email me at info at and we continue from there.
0: Okay, great. There will be uh, links and show notes on corporateunplugcom slash podcast. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and also share this episode with your network and friends for impact. Share it with the people you know would benefit from hearing this. Thanks for listening. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao.